So God is no respecter. Amen? He can do it. Praise the Lord. Amen. Because we are God's children. Amen? And he wants to build his kingdom. Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles up to Acts chapter 4. So I'm going to take just a few moments and just continue on. A couple of weeks ago, we shared a few thoughts with you about grace. And I really am going to encourage you to do a personal study. I said it at the very end of the outline here tonight. <coughs> Excuse me. But I want to encourage you to do a personal study on grace. Um, the goal of the pastor and teaching is to help you in your own pursuit of truth. It's not to get all the truth for you and give it to you. That makes sense? What you study and what you get and what you allow the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is, is your teacher as well. And so the, the, the truth that you get, the, the truth that you go after, the truth that you search for, the things that you ask, seek, and knock for out of the Word of God, the things that you want to know and you understand are the things that get rooted down in your heart. Okay? And, and that's what you retain. And really, that's what you're living on. We're, we're, not too many of us are living off the last sermon that we heard. How many understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's good, but, but those things, the, the Word is to ignite us and to inspire us and cause us to seek God. Preaching causes us to seek God. The best way to seek God is in His Word. Okay? So preaching should drive you to the Word. I love it when I hear a message. I know I've heard something in, in a message or heard something from God when it drives me into the Word. I hear something, it triggers something, it makes me want to go investigate, it wants me to search, it makes me want to go mine that out. And, and if I dig for it and I find it, that's my treasure. Okay, well, you're, you're, in, you're in Proverbs 4, go with me to, to, I mean, you're in Acts 4, stay there, go with me to Proverbs 2. There's a big difference between hearing sermons and searching for truth. It seems kind of contradictory for a preacher's sake because all the preachers want everybody to come hear what they have to say. Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, and if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So what I'm trying to say is, is that I'm supposed to be a catalyst and an igniter uh, and an instigator if you would to get you to seek for the treasure of God that something I say or preaching should say should drive you to seek God to search for truth to mind it out to get in the word amen get in there search the word of God for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding he stores up sound wisdom for the upright he is a shield to those upright uprightly he guards the paths of justice he preserves the way of his saints then you will understand righteous justice equity and every good path how I many know that's a good thing right there 
to, to understand righteous and justice and equity and to, and to be able to perceive and discern every good path. Lord, is this the right direction? No, that's not a good one. Okay, how do I know that? Because God has revealed that to me by his spirit. Amen? And because I search the word for that knowledge that's available and that wisdom. I want the wisdom of God. Amen? Hallelujah. So I want to encourage you, just go, especially on this subject of grace, understanding grace. So many people, if you just listen to the preaching on grace, there's probably at least 50 different directions of grace out there right now. If, if you listen to Christian radio or Christian television, I mean, almost every person that comes on has a different slant on grace. And as I listen to them, a lot of them just are missing a lot of the mark. doesn't mean what they're saying is wrong. It's just not the complete thing. And it's usually focused on one direction that they want you to go in. I'm not, I, I hope this doesn't sound bad. But many times preaching is preached to take you somewhere, to get you to hook up and go with someplace. Does that make sense? And so many, most of television ministry, let me just put you like this, most of television ministry is to get people to give. Because if you knew how much it cost to be on television, <laughs> you would understand why most of it is connected. So the promises, a lot of promises along that, are going in a direction and doing different things. And so it's important to understand that, well, what's the purpose? What's the direction behind that? Is it sending me towards Christ, or is it pulling me into something so I will go with them where they want to go? That makes sense? So as a pastor, my goal is what I've, my heart's always been, I want you to find Christ. I want you to find a better relationship. I want you to find what he has for you. I want you to find the life that he has for you. I want you to walk in the fullness of your life with Christ. God has purpose for each one of our lives. Amen? I want you to tap into that. And there's a lot of great, don't misunderstand, there's a lot of great pastors out there and doing that and ministers. There's great people on television. There's guys that I listen to that I believe in and that. But then again, there's others that, are, that, that have a misguided uh, purpose to it and that. Acts chapter 4, verse 23, as we led last week, that they're coming through and, 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 and they've been released. Peter and John have been released after healing the lame man at the gate beautiful. They're told to quit preaching in the name of Jesus. They're threatened. They come back, and then they pray. And skip down to verse 29, and it says, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Now, look at the request. It says that with all boldness they may speak your word. I'll put you like this. Grace brings a boldness upon your life. One of the aspects of grace is that it will produce a boldness in your life for God. Okay? Follow along. So listen to the request. That with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all what? Filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with what? Boldness. So they asked, God answered, and gave them boldness to speak His word. Though, now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power... 
the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And here's our key phrase. And great grace was what? Upon them all. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power. Okay. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll read it here a little bit later. Paul said, I will glory in my weakness because when I'm weak, then the power of Christ, same word, then the dunamis. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you receive dunamis. You receive power. The power of Christ, Paul said, then the power of Christ is upon me. So the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of Christ are the same thing. And it's the power of grace upon our life. So they're empowered by grace to speak the word of God with boldness. Amen. Look at the cover of your outline. The word or the definition for grace there <coughs> is cherish or graciousness, a manner or act that uh, really I highlighted a part in there. It, the best part is the divine influence upon our heart. The divine influence upon our heart. Grace is a divine influence upon our hearts. Now, if you take that in different directions, we usually hear grace. Well, grace means unmerited favor. Yes, one aspect of grace is favor. One aspect of grace is favor. Here's what happens many times, is that when we get on a subject, we just major in one aspect. In the Word of God, the, the Bible says that it is the manifold grace of God. The many-faceted, the, the multi-sided grace of God. So there's a complexity to grace, or let me give you another way. There is a depth to grace that maybe we miss. And, and if there's more to it than what I've got, I've always been this. And this is what, how I want you to be. I am not satisfied with less if there's more available. Why am I going to settle for less when there's more? Today, the place we ate at today was a buffet. It meant I could go back. It, it meant I could eat all I wanted until I was as full as I wanted to be. Do you understand that? That's the purpose of a buffet. <laughs> and so they don't even have a menu. It's just all set out there before you, and you get to buffet your body. Okay, so I was buffeting myself. Amen. But 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 look at you you it's it's all there for you, and you get to eat as much as you want until you're full. And if you go away from a buffet hungry, it's not their fault. God has put out His word, the fullness of His word. And if I have a Christian life that is shallow, if I have a Christian life that is not satisfying me, if I'm not filled to overflowing with the joy and the excitement of God, it's not because there isn't a buffet. It's not because, okay, it, the Word of God is not a French menu where you get a little thing that's decorated with little squigglies on the plate and, and you get, you know, Point for presentation. I don't care about the presentation. Janet always teases me because I like to go to Claim Jumper. She goes, well, that's a place where the food hangs over the plate. Well, if I'm going to pay for a meal, I want meal. I don't want, pretty, I don't want art. Amen. I want food. If I want art, I'll go to an art gallery. Amen. 
I don't want a, a restaurant. I want food. And I want to go away satisfied. Amen? And when it comes to the Word of God, I, I want all of it. And, and so if, there, if there's more to grace than just favor, and, and part of this is if I don't understand, one reason we walk around is that, and, and this is why I'm, I'm trying to encourage you tonight, I will never have enough time to tell you everything you need to know. We just don't. On Sunday mornings, we get about 45 minutes to a message. If you go over 40 minutes, people start, you know, fading out on you and stuff. You go, okay, I got to close. You got to get to an altar call. Then we're going to try and pray. Then we got to get everybody out of here. Everybody think about everything else. On Tuesday nights, I got a few more minutes and we're going to have to go. And blah, blah, blah. But it's not going to be enough. So all this can be is, is a catalyst. All this can be is, a, is an, an instigator. That's the best I can do is be an instigator to encourage you to get into God's Word. And if you've lost the desire and the hunger to dive into God's Word, then pretty soon you're, you're just, you're not gonna, your Christianity is going to be empty. You're not going to go away fulfilled. Man, I left there today. I was full. We, we ate at noon. I haven't even eaten dinner, and I'm still full. Amen. Thank you. I do. I stick out on both sides. Does this shirt make my belly look big? I'm just kidding. Amen. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. So now what? So the divine influence, grace, the divine influence upon our heart. Now watch this. And it's reflection in the life. Grace is influence and reflection in our life. Look at the, at the but but it also means acceptable. So including gratitude, acceptable benefit, favor, gift, gracious, liberality, pleasure, thanks, and, and, and thanksworthy, and all that stuff. But look at this scripture in your outline there, Acts chapter 14. From there they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been entrusted to the grace of God for the work. Huh. So here, Paul and Barnabas, and, and here I think Paul and Silas, that, that they're going, and they've been entrusted to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. So grace was not just favor, it was an enabling power. They, they were entrusted to the grace. Here, here we're, we're entrusting you to the grace, in God's grace, more than anything, means God's power. And so if I'm under grace, I'm under power. If God's grace is upon me, His power is upon me. Are you with me? And if we get this, it is very liberating. And so the word there, entrusted, in the King James says, it said they were commended. The word commended means to entrust, to give in a charge, or to deliver with confidence. And so in grace, God's grace delivers something to us. Grace is delivered. To, they, they were delivered to the grace of God. Wow. That's powerful when you think about that. You've been delivered to the grace of God. Acts 15 and verse 40, Paul chose Silas and departed after being, <coughs> excuse me, commended, <coughs> delivered to the grace of God. By the breath. So here we are. They're heading off on a journey, and we say, Go in grace. You know what you're literally saying? Go in power. Go in power. 
or the grace of God, the power of God be upon you and everything that's encompassed in it. Wow. Now watch this. Luke chapter 2, and I gave you this scripture a couple weeks ago, and this is what stirred it up with me as I was reading two weeks ago on a Monday morning in this verse. And I've been studying this a little bit as I've had time for the last couple weeks. When they had completed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town, speaking of Jesus and his family. And Jesus the boy grew up and became strong, filled with wisdom. And God's grace was what? On him. King James says, upon him. I think that's interesting that this grace is an anointing upon us in the same way as the Holy Spirit. We're going to find out that they, that they really are a, a, it's part of a, a kind of a dynamic anointing or a dual anointing on our line. Hebrews 2 and verse 9. Now, now, now watch how this grace works. But we are able to see Jesus who was ranked lower than the angels for a little while, crowned with glory and honor because of his having suffered death in order that by the grace now the amplified just says unmerited favor now look look up here okay the unmerited favor okay the unmerited favor on jesus's life is the favor of israel my grace is upon you you get to die for john my my favor is upon you to die for him. God's favor was on Christ to die for you. How many want to claim that favor? <laughs> but, but see, we see, oh God, God, God you, I have unmerited favor. And we interpret that as blessing. God's going to give me favor everywhere I go to. He's going to open every door and make every, he's going to straighten out every path. He's going to make everything work for me. Favor, 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 favor. Declare it over your life. Favors over your life. Favors over my life. Hallelujah. Don't shout me down. But now watch, 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 watch. Watch what it says here. In order that by the grace of God, unmerited favor of God to us sinners, he might experience death for every individual person. So God's grace on Christ meant his Death for us. Grace worked death in him and life in us. Are you getting this? Listen to it out of the New Living Translation. It's right there. What do we see in Jesus? Who was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Because he suffered death for us. Where did he get the power To walk through death for us. Grace. Grace empowered him to walk through death for us. And if you and I can get this, then whatever you're going through, there is grace to empower you. If grace can get him through death for us, grace can get you through sickness in your body. It can get you through a storm. It can get you through a trial. It can get you through every temptation. And grace can bring you out with the victory on the other side. Somebody ought to shout amen. Grace works in your life. So look at that through grace, 
He suffered death. He is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. Now, I'm just telling you, I've listened to a lot of the guys out there. I'm not hearing anybody preach these scriptures on grace. It's usually twisted around favor, around promise, around blessing, around license, around ability, around everything that glorifies self and takes away the glory from God. Or that God is gracing you, God is blessing you, you are under grace, so much grace is upon you, God's going to promote you. But to Jesus, God promoted him all the way to the cross. <laughs> are we doing all right? And so, if, and, and it's not that the other isn't true, are you with me? But there's more to grace than just the one side of the blessing of grace. Y'all still love me tonight? All right, listen to it out of the Holman Study Bible. But we do see Jesus made lower than the angels for a short time. Watch it. So that by God's grace, he might taste death. So Jesus was commended to the grace of God to go to the cross. Paul said, Paul's preaching, Paul declared his ministry was that this great, the grace of this ministry has been committed to me. This grace has been committed to me. I'll give you some of those scriptures next week where Paul describes his ministry as God's grace working in his life. Are you with me? Which is why. And then when you see it, where does Paul get the strength? If we took time tonight and we read 2 Corinthians 11 when Paul lists all the stuff that he endured for preaching the gospel. Where does he get the strength to do that? Because he's been commended to, delivered to the grace of God. Amen? So for Jesus, grace for him meant being ranked lower than created angels and experiencing death for our sins. Now, see, for me, when I understand this, now, now, if you look at the book of Acts, speaking boldly the word of God, Peter stands up and begins to speak boldly. In just a couple chapters, Peter, by the grace of God, is preaching in the community, and then he stands up and he begins preaching and declaring, and, and, and walking in this boldness got him persecuted, eventually got him martyred and killed and stoned. But while he's standing there and being stoned, he's looking up and grace is upon him. And, and at the point of being stoned, there's a strength in him that looks up and is rejoicing, seeing heaven open. And Jesus, I see Jesus standing by the right. Come on, that's grace in your life. And, and, and even though you're committed to something that takes you to the point of death. Can I just tell you, we don't hear much preaching like this today. And so there's a power in the God. I, I like what my pastor friend Glenn Berto said. In fact, I think I'm going to order a bunch of books and sell them, and you'll have to be really brave, and I'll make them available, but you'll have to be really brave to read it. He wrote a great book. I love Glenn. I finally found a pastor who preaches what I preach. He, has a, he, he wrote a book called Christianity Light. Glenn Berto. If, if, you go, if you're friends with me on Facebook, just go on my Facebook page and you can click on it. I have a couple of videos on there. But it's called Christianity Light. Light. Like, like light beer. And, and it has a beer bottle on the front of it and the label is Christianity Light. Because what you do, in, in order to make light beer, 
you have to alter the structure of the original beer. In order to have like Christianity, you have to alter the structure of real Christianity. So we live in a day and an age of Christianity light. Because the promise of light beer is less filling and tastes great. And people today want Christianity that's less demanding but makes them feel great. Ooh. <laughs> Amen. And chapter number one is called More of Me and Less of God. I love it. Amen. It's kind of one of those things when you, when, when you get out there and go, wait a minute, I'm not alone. Amen. I'm not alone. And so in this, and, 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 and I like what Pastor Glenn says in there, in, in the definition of that, is that when it comes to the Word of God, anything you take out of the Word of God or put into the Word of God diminishes its power. Anytime you take something away from the Word of God or put something into the Word of God, you alter its power. You make it less powerful. And so we want to stay with the original Word. Amen? It doesn't need anything added to it. It doesn't need anything taken away. Once you start doing that, you end up with a lighter version, an altered version from what God had intended for us. Amen? And so today, preachers want to be popular and we want larger crowds, so we'll preach the things that makes less demand on people and then makes them feel good about themselves. All right, moving right along. Amen. How many would read those books if I ordered some? All right. Cool. All right. So God who is rich in, so what? So grace for him being ranked lower than the created angels and experiencing death for our sins. What he did through the grace upon him is salvation to us. Now, once you hear, well, the, the whole thing about where's Frank, is there, a great, there is a grace that is to be upon every one of our lives that means salvation to somebody else. You, we hear messages about grace that mean blessing to us, and it speaks to us. But what I tried to get across Sunday morning is that God says, hey, I want to come into time, but I can only come into time and do what I want to do with people who will say yes to me. And so if you will say yes, I will come into time and through the power of my grace working in you, I will bring salvation to others. The same way grace was upon Jesus, I will put my grace and my anointing and my Holy Spirit. If you will say yes, the anointing of my power of the Holy Spirit who is in Hebrews chapter 10, 29 called the Spirit of Grace. So the spirit of grace and the spirit of power, I will enter into time. And if you will say yes, I will come upon you. And by allowing my grace to be upon you, it will mean salvation to others. Are you with me? So that's what grace did for Jesus. So his walk of grace is now life to us. Hear me. Your walk of grace means life to to somebody else. This is what I have found all these years. I don't have to take one thought. I literally believe Matthew 6. I do not think about what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to wear, or where I'm going to live. Sean said it Sunday morning. He's been living for God. Him and Dean have been living for God ever since they've been married. Since he came here and got saved, he's been living by faith and walking with God. And for 19 years now, since 1978, 
I was young. I'm now a little bit older. And as a righteous, I've never been forsaken, and I've never had to go out begging bread. David said, I've been young, and now I'm old. And I have never seen the righteous forsaken. Everybody say the righteous. The righteous forsaken or their seed. Or their seed out begging for bread. And what got me is when my grandpa passed away in 1982 and grandma gave me his Bible. I have it up in my office. He has an old Thompson chain Bible. He has one scripture underlined in his Bible. It's that scripture in Psalms. I was young and now I'm old. Never seen. I, I, I underline all over my Bibles and stuff. Grandpa had one scripture in his Bible. I was young and now I'm old and I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed out begging for bread. And so I found out that the grace of God works in my life and if I understand it, and if I will live my life so his grace can work through me to bring salvation to others, he will more than take care of every need of my life. He will make sure you always have a job. He'll make sure you always have provision. He'll make sure you never have to miss anything. He will make sure. That's why Jesus just said, seek ye first the kingdom and his and all these things will be added unto you. So grace is upon it. And so, on the, but, but see, if I don't understand it in the right perspective, then I've got to have a vision of grace that gets me blessed when I'm already blessed. That's why I'll say it again. That when God told me this, it, it, it's upside down profound. But we spend our whole life trying to get what we already have. bazillions of dollars have been spent on buying books that tell you how to get what you already have. You are already blessed. If you're in Christ, you, you are, you're already blessed. Well, how do I get blessed? I'm seven keys to the blessing. You're blessed. You're in Him. You're, if you're in Christ, you're blessed. You've received of His full. You have everything to me. He, he is life and sufficient. He's everything I need. Well, Lord, I need you to meet my needs. I am. I did. You're in me. Are you with me? So the moment I get it, and I begin declaring it, and my confession turns around, and my conversation turns around in agreement with God's Word, then I'm no longer trying to get what I already have. It's a lesson in futility. Are we doing all right? All right, so stay with me. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4. Now watch this. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were what? Dead in sin, has quickened us together with Christ, for by grace you are saved. So by grace in him works salvation to us, for by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is what? It is the gift of God in Christ. So God gave grace to Jesus so that salvation might come to you. God gives grace to you and I so that salvation might come to somebody else. And if we ever start walking in grace to that degree, you'll be amazed at how God starts working everything out in your favor. That's when favor shows up. When I'm allowing grace to do what it's meant to do in my life, then the favor of God works on my life. Are you doing all right? 
Instead of trying to get the favor, let the work that's... So, so they were commended to the work of the ministry in grace to go do the work of the ministry. And then the favor of God was upon them. All right. So to declare we're saved by grace is easy to say, but to fully comprehend the depth of it, I don't think we ever will. So much of what we hear about grace comes short of revealing the full truth concerning grace. Its purpose, its power working through us for the benefit of others, not ourselves. Please underline that. Grace will work through your life. God wants to work by grace through your life for the benefit of somebody else. The moment a Christian shifts gears and steps into that kind of grace, everything about your life changes. When you begin believing that God has graced you to work through your life for the benefit of somebody else, amazing things will begin to happen. Amen. You, you just go to any, I mean, we bring missionaries in and, and hear about the things that are going. People start talking about the goodness of God and things that are going. Well, and we go, wow, what a powerful testimony. How come they have such a powerful testimony? Because grace is working in their life for the benefit of somebody. The testimony is connected to grace working in their life on the benefit of somebody else. And they're, they're, they're talking about how God's favor is on their life to bring his benefit to somebody else. And in the process, the blessing is overtaking them. Are you with me? So God's grace is so much more than just my personal credit card with God or my excuse not to live in complete obedience to the word of God. We hear that, all, well, I'm under grace, not under law. Well, that's your excuse to sin, not to be righteous. And so it's more than liberty and license. How many would agree? So to be commended to the grace of God means to be entrusted, to be given in charge, and to be delivered with confidence. So God's grace is to be entrusted to us. It's given to us in a charge, and it's delivered with confidence. Grace is what has been given to us, entrusted to us, and delivered into our charge with confidence that we will fulfill the purpose connected to it. The purpose of grace upon Jesus was our salvation. And the purpose of grace on your life, in my life, is somebody else's salvation. Amen? Which is why we are the Salvation Army, huh? <laughs> Amen. So watch this, watch this. Great grace, Acts 4, 33, we read it. And great grace was upon the church in the book of Acts. And the same grace can be upon us as well. Look at these last few thoughts. With God's grace and power of the Holy Spirit equipping and enabling us, there is nothing we cannot do and endure for the glory of God. There's nothing we can't endure. Come on, if Jesus could endure the cross, I can endure anything. You, you look at, see, I go back and I look at men and women of God, and, and I forget where I seen a video on it or a teaching on it the other day, but I was talking about the apostles and, and, and the early church and how they all died and people dying for that and dying for a faith and dying in belief. How do they find the, the, the courage of Stephen and, and the others to, to not recant, to not give up? How, where, where do they get the power to do that? Because they were walking in the grace of God. God. They had seen the grace of God on the Lord, and, and that grace drove him to the cross, and he endured. And now they realize that same grace is upon them. Woo! See, grace is the favor of God upon our lives in various circumstances, under various conditions, but it is also more. <coughs> Excuse me. 
2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. This is the English Standard Version. It says this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Watch this. For my what? My power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. So what's Paul's so so Paul's praying, Lord, take this away. I can't handle it. Lord, move this off my and the Lord says, My grace is sufficient for you because my power. Everybody say power. Look what I said. So 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 Jesus said his grace was his power. Not just his favor, more than favor. It's power. A perfect in weakness. So Paul goes, I got it, I got it. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. Now, weaknesses there is the right translation because the King James says infirmities. And so we're not glorying in sicknesses because de- sickness is one definition of infirmity. The other is a weakness. So what Paul said, at what the Lord is saying, at any place where you don't feel you have strength to do it, you're a candidate for the power of grace. So Paul says that any moment where I don't have strength to do it, that means you can be graced to do it. And there's things that I don't know how to do, I don't have the strength to do, but at that moment I know that I have grace upon my life. Glory to God. So Paul says, man, if that's how it works, I will glory in weakness so that power, his power, that the power of Christ, look at what he said. So that the power, dunamis, that word power there is dunamis, of Christ may what? Rest upon me. Are you getting this? Wow, this is so good. So get this. I highlighted it there. The power of Christ, grace is the power of Christ at the point of my need. So the next time you're facing a challenge, Just start thanking Him that grace is upon you. Father, I thank You Your grace is upon my life. Lord, I don't have to figure this out. I am in weakness, and because I'm feeling weak in this moment, because I don't know how I'm going to do it, then I am a candidate for Your grace. And Your power is about to show up in my life, God. I'm trusting in the grace of God. Because, God, You want Your grace to be in me. And if this thing overtakes me, then, then Your grace can't work through me to bring salvation to somebody else. So because Your will is that You would come and, and Your grace and Your anointing upon me would bring salvation to somebody else. So I'm believing for Your grace to get me through this and to overcome the weakness that I'm experiencing so that Your salvation will work to somebody else. See, multiple times in Paul's letters, he used a pronouncement or salutation. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Paul declared grace over people more and more and more. May it comfort you. May it be with you. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Wow. I want to live in that. Amen? All right. 1 Timothy Watch this. Go to 1 Timothy real quick. Can we, can we just read this verse and then we're done? Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. I'll start reading while you're turning. I'm in verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me. 
Listen, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me. How do we get enabled? By grace. Okay. He's enabled me with his power. Because what? He counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Verse 14. And the grace of our Lord, which, is ex- which was, the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. With faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. I put it into the Good News Translation. I put verse 14 in your outline. And our Lord poured out His abundant grace on me. Everybody say, on me. And and I'm focusing in on on me and upon me because it ties in with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That grace and the Holy Spirit are a dynamic duo. It's a dynamic uh, uh, part of, of, of the Holy Spirit. It's grace is a working of the Holy Spirit. Michael was asking about it last time about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and grace and those two things going together. So if you see it here, let me just finish this. Now watch. Okay? It is also declared as something we are to continue in and encouragement and admonishment to the church. The church has said that, that they continue in the grace of God. So grace is not something that just happened to you, but it's something that you have to purpose to continue in. It's available, but we choose to continue in it. Are you with me? All right. And then there is a reference to those who have done despite to the spirit of grace. I mean, no, that's not good. The word despite there means to insult. One translation said it means to outrage the spirit of grace. How many know it's not good to torque off the Holy Ghost? I would want to do that. Okay, let, let me put you like this. You, you, you know what happened to two people who outraged the Holy Spirit? Ananias and Sapphira died, didn't they? Look what Peter said. How has Satan twisted your heart that you would lie to the Holy Ghost? Come on, this is serious stuff. I mean, all that, none of that stuff is in the Bible. Just we go, oh, wow, that was crazy. I hope that doesn't happen here. Okay, but it says that they did despite to the spirit of grace. How do you do that? You trample on it. You, you don't count it worthy. You don't give it the right respect. I don't, you, I don't want to insult or outrage. Listen, the spirit. Listen how we define the spirit of grace. So grace isn't just a thing. Grace is the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? Grace is the Holy Spirit working his power, working in our life upon us, that anointing upon our life. So if we carry that out in context, it is the Holy Spirit and it is his power that works by grace in our life coming upon us. The power of Christ is the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of grace that comes upon us. So I put it here. I want to encourage you to dive into your own study on grace. I want you to be able to have Paul's confidence in the grace of God on your life that when you are weak, grace will be upon you. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for your people, and I thank you for your grace that is on our lives so that salvation might come to others. In Jesus' name.